right, we're live. How you doing, everybody? And welcome to uh, another amazing episode of the John Riley Project. And I'm pleased to have as my guest once again, Mr. Pete Neal. How are you doing, Pete? Good to be back. It's been a long damn time. Well, yeah. I mean, you've been on the show now at least 15 times, right? Right. Yeah. And this is episode number 312, so you're getting close to 10%. So. I think I was back in the two early 200s was the last time I was on. Really? Yeah. No, we yeah. just did the one with, uh, you know, uh, McVean. Oh, yeah. 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 But that was Charlie's. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah, right. That okay. Yeah, yeah, so it's been a little while. So, yeah. um, all right. So, anyways, just to tell the audience, what we're going to do today is we're going to cover a number of things. And Pete had contacted me, and he really wanted to talk about a lot of, I think, the issues. Originally, it was we we're going to talk about the Russia-Ukraine war. Then President Biden visited. There was a there was a, a, a submarine deal, but then we also wanted to talk about a lot of local issues as well. Right. So we're going to cover a lot of different things today, uh, but they all have a San Diego focus in many different ways, um, in some cases, a Poway-specific focus. Um, but we invite all of your thoughts and comments on the live stream. If you want to get involved, you could just type in your questions or comments on Facebook or YouTube, and we'll get you we'll get your comment on the screen, and uh, Pete will be happy to field your questions. Okay, so... Um, With as poor an answer as I can manage. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we, we kind of had our, our, our game plan, our agenda this morning was that we were going to start... L- at the most local level and kind of work our way to the most international, right? Because yes. we've got a lot to do. So we, we're in Poway. So let's talk about Poway specific. Um, we had the elections that occurred, um, you know, in November. So it's been about, what, four months now. Right. Are you noticing there have been any changes since we've had the two new council members on the Poway City Council? Things to me are starting to manifest the way I thought they were going to. Um, Nothing is concrete yet. There's a lot of things going on. Plus, there's the ongoing issues, Mm -hmm. you know. And to tell you the truth, John, I I haven't stayed up on local politics as much as I should Mm -hmm. because I've had other things going on, um, work and other things. But um, there's a couple that have come up in the totem pole and I have paid attention to. So I, I can address those, but okay. All right. So, um, yeah, the, there's the farm stuff going on. There's development stuff going on. There's new city council persons in place. And one thing I did do very early on when I still had the time is I went, participated on the zoom version of the city council meeting. Oh, they're still they, – haven't they gone back to the face-to-face yet? Well, they got the face-to-face, but they also have the – Oh, they're still doing yeah, Zoom at the same yeah. time. Okay. So I took a few minutes out of the evening to speak up on that. And what I had asked for was that since there were connections between the people who were elected into office and various development organizations, mm-hmm. I just – said, look, people, you've got to abstain. When those issues come up on the table, please remember to exercise abstention. Separate yourself from that decision-making thing, whatever it happens to be, for something that you have direct historical connections with. Yeah, so to avoid a conflict of interest. Correct. Yeah. To avoid that. Um, and... 
Yeah, so that's my only real involvement as far as the city is concerned is that particular issue. I still want the the people of Poway to be heard with a representative government. Mm -hmm. I don't want – I don't like to see city council persons bringing their own personal agenda Mm -hmm. into play. They should be speaking on behalf of the people that elected them in office. Well, but but by virtue of they campaign with an agenda, they have their own you know platform, and they're elected by the people. I didn't. Well, you you were a rare case because usually but most that's people what we should be. Well, ideally, yeah, but and Hiram was damn close. He was very close to that. I agree with you. But even Hiram, he made it very clear where he stood on a variety of issues. Right. So if you're elected by the people, then aren't you? A spokesman for the people that elected you? That's what you should be. Right. And and they're electing you based on the platform that you run on. And One would think. One would think. So, I mean, it's different if it's a bait and switch, right? If, right. if they say, I'm going to campaign to do this, and then they get in office and they do the opposite. Well, yeah, that's a problem. Right. Um, but um, do you feel that the new council members, um, Brian Pepin and Peter DeHoff, are, are they – executing their time in office the way you expected them, or are they doing something different? Not enough time has passed. Yeah, that's what I kind of figure, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, things are things are in place, and it can go either way. So the proof will be in the pudding as, <laughs> as, as far as this continues on. I have, and there's many people in my district that feel that um, – it's going to go a certain way. We're predicting it, you know, that this is the worst case of all. We're going to have, have all kinds of development now. There's no roadblocks. There's nobody going to stand up and say anti-development, even though that's what their flyers said. Okay, well, now here we go. This is what – this might be the bait and switch. Right. So, I mean, what, what share with us what, what you got here. Right here off the bat, one of the flyers from Brian Pippen is, Pippen is opposed to overdevelopment and power. I mean, show that to the camera if they can see that. (laughs) Yeah. That's what showed up in my mailbox. He's opposed to overdevelopment and power. That's what it says. Yeah, it does say that. But he, his first real noticeable action in the city of Poway as a citizen of Poway was trying to develop the entire hillside that's not stable. Oh, that's the Matade Meadows. By Matade Meadows. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a – to go from that, Yeah. all right, to opposed to overdevelopment in Poway, that's a huge step. I'm hoping it's the right one, mm-hmm. but I got to wait and see. But, but he, he also had a lot of backing of development interests that helped finance his campaign, either directly or indirectly through PACs. Which is why – I stood up in front of the city council meeting and in the three minutes that you're allowed to speak, and hopefully they listen, <laughs> that to keep in mind that when an issue comes up with something that's there historically connected to, they've got to abstain. Right. They've got to drop out. So instead of a city council of X number, we have X minus one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or two. <laughs> <You know? laughs> or, 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 or zero. You yeah, know, there could yeah. be an offer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's – I'm just sitting back and watching 
Yeah. Seeing what things take place. Well, it seems like there's still a lot going on. I mean, we've got, um, you know, obviously all the development on Poway Road that's in various stages of activity or pause or, you know, with the outpost, there's still a hole in the wall or hole in the, in the ground. But um, there, there, there's that new development that's going in, what is it, in between Oak Knoll and Poway Road, kind right. of near the Kumeyaay um, Indian, yep. um, uh, you know, grounds. Then... <laughs> What else is on the board? The, the Twin Peaks development by Twin Peaks and uh, Midland. Yep. Um, and and there's talk about now doing more work up in the uh, business park, right? I think didn't that uh, battery plan get approved? Yeah. And there's a hotel. The hotel's only three floors. Oh, I thought it was going to be like five. I thought it was three. Maybe, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. All right. I, I got to pay more attention. Okay. <laughs> Stop work, Pete. Yeah. Stop yeah, the right, hobbies. Right. Pay attention to what's important in Poway. But, yeah, it's greatly reduced from the number that they had uh, originally when they were proposing to put the hotel there. It was like 10, 12 stories or something like that, which was ludicrous. But it would be really narrow because it's on a small footprint, I think. Still. Yeah. But you know what? They're, they're, I mean, they're running out of land in Poway. I mean, they're running out of land all throughout San Diego County to Correct. build. But especially in Poway. So, you know, there, there's a surge of development now, but... Well, I felt we've been built out for ages. Well, clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Clearly not. Yeah. And, you know, I'm somewhat hypocritical because one of the developments I fought against was Arbolitas. I fought against Arbolitas. Well, that's like right up the hill from where you live. That's where I live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bought into it. Yeah. You know, but... So I'm somewhat of a hypocrite there, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that happens. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just backtrack. This didn't turn out to be so bad after all. No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there, there's no utopia, right? You know, there, every place you live, there's, there's trade-offs, uh, there are pros and cons. And, you know, despite all the growth in Poway, this is still a great place to live. I mean, you know, it's a great place to raise a family. I I just remember the Arbolese area, the reason I fought it is because that was a great piece of open space where I could take my dog off the leash yeah, and just let her run. And she had a ball. And there were little ponds there, mm-hmm. all kinds of places. And when they talked about doing the development in it, I said, oh, I'm going to lose all this. All right. I'm thinking back now, all right, fighting off the fact that I'm a hypocrite that I'm living there. <laughs> When I was out there with, yeah, I was the only one out there at the time, mm-hmm. you know. Occasionally, I'd see somebody else with their dog there, but I was out there by myself and my dog. It was just nice. the two of us. Yeah. All right. But now, if I walk out my garage door and step out into the driveway, there's somebody walking by with their dog in that same area. About every ten minutes, in 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 your right in front of your home, right in front of my home. Okay, and I talk to the people as they walk by. Yeah, I, this is more social than it was when I was out here with my dog, and it was an open field. Mm-hmm. So, as far as getting along with people and talking, and you know, being a neighbor, it's better. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, and then think of all the, you know, the people that moved into those new homes. I mean, they have a place to live and a place to raise yeah. their family yeah. and they want to enjoy Poway just the way we do. Um, so, you know, I me, mean, I'm generally pro development, but, but really more kind of just pro progress, I guess is a better way to put it. That would be a better way to put it. Yeah. Because um, I'm not necessarily, you know, for the developer companies, right. but I just like to see progress. And I, and so, yeah, I mean, you go back and you look at the other parts of Poway, there's a lot of different changes. I mean, you brought a few other campaign materials here. Are there other stories yeah, we'll, here you want to tell? We'll get there. Oh, we'll, we'll get, get there. there. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, these are both Brian Peppins. He's my city council person now. Mm-hmm. Haven't, haven't had to call him yet. Have you met him? Just in passing city council meetings, you know, right out in front. I'm smoking a cigarette. He walks by. <laughs> hey, you know, that's about it. I I, I had a, a, a cup of coffee with him once at Starbucks about a year ago or so, and you know, he's a very pleasant guy. You know, and and uh, you know, he and I see alike on some issues, and we differ on some issues. Um, but it was just interesting how the whole campaign went down, where. To some people, he was representative of the status quo mm-hmm. and the establishment, and other people saw him as a real villain. Um, so, I'm uh, to your point. I'm curious to see how pro, how how the city council unfolds. If there's any significant changes in the direction, mm-hmm. um, or are DeHoff and Pepin going to kind of fall in line behind Voss like we kind of expected? Um, it's going to be interesting. Well, it okay. I'll get to the other document here. <laughs> this came to my door. Uh, this was during the election. Okay. Uh, and I thought the artwork was very clever. I mean, they've got a picture can, of sheep. Can, can you show the camera? Yeah, okay. So that everyone can see this? <laughs> if, if you're in District 1, this is – hopefully you will remember this one. I, this is what I'm talking about. Okay. This was, it says Hiram Soto, but if you read the smaller print, it says don't let Hiram Soto. This is against Hiram. Interesting. Okay. And it compares him to a wolf in sheep's clothing. So just to, for the audience's sake, Hiram Soto was Brian Pepin's opponent in the in the election in November for District 1 in Poway. Mm-hmm. And Hiram Soto lost and mm-hmm. Brian Pepin won. Right. So this bothered me a little bit because that's, in my recollection, when it comes to city council people who go to the expense of putting out flyers in the mail and stuff in your mailbox and stuff in your door handles, which I don't do. <clears throat> this one was paid for by the San Diego Police Officers Association. That's negativity. He's speaking, this whole flyer is speaking down to Hiram Soto. Hiram Soto had to counter that. He had to spend some of his money to mm-hmm. counter this document. All right? We shouldn't get into a combat situation over flyers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tell like the pe- mailbox wars. Tell the people what you're going to do, you know, this one, all mm-hmm. right? Climate change, good thing. Brian Pepin. Yeah, those are all his work. This is from another party. Right. Uh, that's not right. Yeah. Well, I think what they do is they are clever enough to use the PACs 
to do all the negative ads. So the the ads that come from the candidate themselves are all rosy and 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 uh, forward looking. The president of this organization is now appointed to one of our committees by yeah. Steve Voss. Yeah, that that was interesting news that broke a few weeks ago. So we, we had talked extensively in the election about how the San Diego Police Officers Association was such a huge uh, financial contributor to a lot of the candidates um, you know, through the pack you know, mm-hmm. to support candidates. We're wondering why is the San Diego police officers involved in Poway when we have our own sheriff or the county sheriff? Um, and then we find out that a lot of it is being channeled for negative ads. OK. And then, yeah, the, the guy that's responsible for that pack was just appointed, was it to the Budget Review Committee or one, one of the committees? One of the committees. One of the committees was just appointed. So By the mayor. By the mayor. Yeah. Maybe it's, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Well, that shouldn't be what's going on in our government. Right. The city council person should be representing the people who live on the asphalt and concrete that is Poway. Mm-hmm. All right. Everybody has their home. If you're a business person, your business is in Poway. You should find representatives that work on your behalf as an individual. This is the basics. This is the entry-level U.S. government. Mm-hmm. Right? Representation. Yeah, right. Right? That's what the founding fathers wanted was representation down to the minuscule level of somebody who wants to get their damn sidewalk fixed. Mm-hmm. All right? So they have somebody to go to that can work them through the, through the mill. So, so, so just, again, devil's advocate here. The gentleman that was appointed mm-hmm. um, behind the San Diego Police Officers Association lives in Poway. He's a Poway resident, a Poway citizen. And so he's having a chance to be represented and, and to represent his group on the, on the Budget Review Committee. Not with negative. Right. Now, I, I agree to- with you there. I mean, but – uh, it, it's, it is fascinating how all this works, right? You know, where um, if you – like we talk about in the election cycle, was always follow the money. That told you a lot because a lot of people, they get these flyers. To your point, you don't know who it's from. If people don't read the Fiden print, you see Hiram Soto's name on the front of it. And then it's got a scary kind of looking image or just a very unusual image. And you're not sure, you know, what that is. Um, but – at least we kind of break it down on this podcast. Right, right. People ought to watch the podcast more often to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I you know, do. Yeah, well, I know you do. You're one of my loyal vi- vi- uh, viewers and uh, and guests as yeah. well, Pete. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my only input there on that particular topic. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. And so, you know, we're going to get, uh, you know, the elections for are not going to be again until November of 2024. So right. nothing will really start happening until after the new year. But right. I think there's already one declared candidate. It was the same Tony Blair. Is that his name? Yeah. So I don't know anything about, anything about this gentleman. But, uh, you know, local politics are fascinating. Yeah, they are. Uh, I I've seen some of his uh, postings. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's yeah, he's an interesting guy. So yeah. we'll, we'll learn more about him. Hopefully he'll join me for an interview at some time on the podcast. And from my point of view, Tony, if you're listening to this podcast, please do. I mean, that's the thing that I noticed when I ran for city council and I found out about John Riley doing podcasts that was locally established. Okay. Yeah. 
come on this. Yeah. Because you can save. Don't spend all your money on junk-ass flyers. <laughs> Talk to the people, and this is one mechanism to do that. Right. Well, you know, it just kind of makes you wonder how effective a lot of those flyers are. Because, um, uh, you know, just the way that people vote and the things that trigger them to vote one way or the other. I think in a lot of cases, even for local elections, people will tend to figure out a way to vote party line. Right. Yeah. They'll they'll figure out who's the more liberal or who's the more conservative even though it's a nonpartisan race. And it's yeah. kind of hard to get people off of that, right? It, it's a tough nut. I mm-hmm. mean, when I ran, I did not want to have a party affiliation. I didn't, I didn't want to put it on the table. But at the time, the only way to do anything, um, I went and sought the Democratic Party. You know, endorsement. Mm-hmm. So some flyers with my name on the would hit up, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to be focal point of that. Just a name on a list. Yeah, yeah. So I went through that, and I've said it before. I'm a Jeffersonian Republican, and if you don't know what it is, look it up. It's an interesting mm-hmm. political stature. Okay, uh, it's nothing to do with the Republican Party. Nothing to do with the Democratic Party. Okay, of today. Okay, I like your independent thinking. This is Jeffersonian good. Republican is one of the original thought trains behind a party to support the American government. There you go. Okay, so it's a little little different, and I am pretty much chapter and verse a Jeffersonian Republican in the way I feel about things. Good, good. Yeah. I, well, I think it's – I think that's – I mean, again, I don't know a whole lot about – we talked a little bit about Jeffersonian republicanism because mm-hmm. in some ways it was similar to how I see the world. But I just like the idea that people are considering other labels than Republican and Democrat right. and, and independent You know, because there's, there's a lot of different ways to see the world, a lot of different points of view. Not every issue is red or blue. I mean there's, there's nuance and often there's a third and a fourth position that are equally as valid but just get no attention. Yeah. The, the one thing that I – the automatic knee-jerk reaction is to say I'm an independent. Yeah. That would be, be the first step. I'm neither Democrat and I'm not Republican. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's easier for me to say, oh, I'm an independent. But to me, independent means um, I'm in the middle of the road. I don't want to take any sides. See, I don't see it that way. I know. That's where you and I differ. That's mm-hmm. why I say I'm a Jeffersonian Republican and you say you're an independent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because, uh, again, I, a lot of times people see like independents or so-called moderates as in between the Republican and Democrat, you know, mm-hmm. this purple area. And I kind of see that those two as very close Republicans and Democrats, their policies, their ideas are, are really quite similar. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like way the hell out over here. <laughs> you know, I'm not like in the middle of right. these two guys. I'm way over here. because uh, and, and so I used to be a Democrat in the 80s when I was coming out of college. But then I had misgivings with that party. I had misgivings with the Republican Party. And then I discovered the Libertarian Party and I went, hey, that actually kind of makes sense for me. And I went that way. But then the Libertarian Party just kind of went goofy and they went off the rails. And it was just a it was nonsense. They, there was they weren't really productive. And I said, I can't do this. And so I just said, I'm independent. 
So from a political party perspective, independent, but in terms of my point of view on the issues, I'm very firm on things mm-hmm. um, and not at all in the middle ground. Yeah. But, you know, everyone Hist- sees the world differently. Historically, all right, let's go back into my teenage years and my <laughs> early 20s. Uh, I became a registered Democrat to piss my dad off. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> he was a staunch Republican. Well, yeah, very right. religious too. And very religious. And, mm-hmm. I, and I was taking a position at that time in my life that was opposite. All right. Yeah. Well, and so when it came time to register to vote and something that you had to put a party down, I said, oh, I'm putting in Democrat. Well, this was in the 60s, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. so you're just, you're the rebel, you know, you're fighting <laughs> against the machine, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, and I've done a lot of, re- of late, I'm doing a lot of reflecting on it. Uh, I've, I've bugged you with a couple of things that I've done. One mm-hmm. that hit me really hard, um, I did a video about it, uh, was I came across a music called Solid Ground. Hmm. And the lyrics of that piece of music really hit me hard, and it just sent me off on a tangent that's Love that turned into concentric coils like you wouldn't believe. Love that, yeah. 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 So that's one of the things that's occupied my free time is nursing that particular thing. Well, can we kind of hopscotch around a couple of sure. other issues here in San Diego sure. before we talk about Biden and submarines and Ukraine and <laughs> the really big stuff? Yeah. Um, but uh, – um, you know, you're driving Calypso around, you know, your 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 beautiful Not in the rain. You didn't today's, drive Calypso here today? Today is the very first time I drove Calypso in the rain in 2023. Really? Yep. Okay. Well, wow. You're going to have to like uh I got to go wash it. You got to go wash it now. You have spots all over the car. <laughs> yeah. Um but just, you drive around just, a lot. You're a, a car enthusiast um with your Corvette. The roads in San Diego, like particularly Carmel Mountain Road and Ted Williams Parkway are just horrible. I mean, just awful, especially Carmel Mountain Road. I mean, you must really feel that when you're driving Calypso. My daughter lives out for us. Okay. I frequent mm-hmm. the roads that you just named off. All right. And there was a time when I, I had, a, it was like a course. I could dodge all the potholes, make this turn, make that turn. I mean, it was an exercise. Now it's just absurd. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, whenever we're going over to my daughter, if we now take my wife's car. <laughs> well, like it's it's one thing if there's potholes, and I get that because of the rain, and you know, and it takes a yeah. while to get the maintenance crews around. I'm okay with that, but like Carmel Mountain Road has been a mess for years, and there's like loose gravel everywhere. There are undulations, um, and it's insane. So when I'm driving, I can hear the gravel off my tires hitting on the underside of the car. Yep. I'm like, what? I'm like on a gravel road, you know, and this is like supposed to be 2023 in America's finest city. I mean, what the hell? Not only that, the, of late, all right, what, what's really bringing it through now is the amount of rain we've just gotten. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that rainwater is in our soil. It's upheaving. In a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I can't remember who it was was really bragging about the how great shape the Poway roads were. Uh, I told him, I said, they're not as good as you think they are. <laughs> you well, know, well, it's, they're pretty good surface wise. Mm-hmm. All right, but you really got to smooth them out sometime. 
All right. There's there's no wonder there's so many repair shops along Poway Road that offer to do your shock absorbers for you <laughs> because Poway will wear them out. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think on a relative basis, it's easy to point the finger over to Rancho Bernardo and say, look how terrible their roads are. Ours look good in comparison, right? Look good. Look good. But I heard today that Twin Peaks is flooded. Yes. Is that, so were you able to drive that way? You had to come- I, I went down to uh, towards Poway Road over to Pomerado and up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the only way you could have gone. Only because Wendy had gone out this morning, and when I told her, I says, oh, "Okay, I'm going over to John's," and she says, "Don't go the north route. <laughs> it's flooded." I said, "Yeah, yeah." So I had to go the long way, the Great Circle route. Have you ever? Do you ever go on Bernardo Heights Road? It's just right over here. Yeah. That that's an. I like that road. It's really convenient. Um, yeah. But that one. Especially if you're going eastbound in the left lane, there are like huge divots. It's like a roller coaster in some sections yeah. of that road. And primarily for the drainage. Yeah. They they shaped the road towards the drain pipe. Right. All right. So I understand why they did that. I don't think they had to get as severe as they did for our oh, typical yeah. rainfall. Right now, I'm glad they did. Yeah. All right. Otherwise, we'd had flooded yeah. areas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you asked me if I like the road. It's it's an interesting road to do your sports car stuff on it. Yeah. Well, be careful. It's a 45 mile an hour speed limit. And they got a little... It's recommended speed. <laughs> recommended. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's bounce around here a few more topics. Um, one of the late breaking sto- stories in the last week or so was a national news story was about the, um, these, these pont- not pontoons, but they were, uh, they were boats of immigrants that had landed at Black's Beach in La Jolla. And it was a tragedy. I think like eight died in the process. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's during this rough water, stormy water. Um, they're now just finally identifying some of the bodies. So it's just a terrible tragedy. And, you know, this kind of is a reflection of what's going on with the border issues, et cetera. Yeah, see, but, everybody draws the connection to that right off the bat. Mm-hmm. They immediately start going down the border issues. Well... Let me tell you, my first duty station in the duty station, not school, but the first place I was stationed was at the Naval Radio Receiving Facility, Imperial Beach. We called it the dinosaur cage. It was that (laughs) huge antenna array at the foot of the strand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we stood our watches overnight, okay, we were responsible for patrolling that area. All right. As one of the byline things, not our mission because we were U.S. Navy. We're not Border Patrol. Okay. But one of our responsibilities, because it was a Navy base, was to patrol the beach. Bucket boats, Mm -hmm. people coming up from Mexico, existed in 1969 on a weekly basis. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. All right. This Mm -hmm. is not a new problem. Right, right. Of course not. Yes, there was a devastating accident where they didn't time it well, bad weather, high surf. Yeah, they got overturned and the people couldn't swim or something and the eight people dead. Mm -hmm. But don't tie this to the current border issue things. It's well, been going on for an eternity well, since it's been 1969. Going, yeah, well, of course, it's, it's been going on before that. I mean, people were swimming across the Rio Grande, right? Um, but uh, 
it, it, you know, there's just been a lot of focus on border issues, especially when Trump was running for president. He that kind of inflamed a lot of it. But, you know, they're they're expanding the border wall there at the Friendship Park, you know, in Imperial Beach right there in the southwest corner, mm-hmm. you know, which is ironic that President Biden is going to expand the wall there. And the people, the locals there are not happy about it because Friendship Park is supposed to represent something very different where people come together. But that fence goes all the way out into the ocean. Oh yeah, you know. So I'm sure these boats are going out and around it. Oh yeah, um, and it's right up, right up to Silver Strand. But when you were in that uh, dinosaur cage back in the '60s, mm-hmm. there was no wall, was there? Oh yeah. Oh, there still was a wall there. Yeah. yeah, not nowhere near the condition. I mean, we're talking maybe a chain link fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, right. Uh, and that was before the border park was put in place. I mean, that was a good step. Mm-hmm was to allow some tangible touch feel across the border when people couldn't make it across the border, all right? Family could get together that were divided by the governmental policies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, They've had weddings there. Yeah. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I mean, I thought it was a great thing. I mean, when I did Calypso's county tours, I said, all right, how am I going to organize this? That's the first place I went was Border Park. Nice. But it's, it's still, you have the dirt lower, road. Lower left-hand corner of the nation. Yeah, you can't right get there. any further. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a dirt road. That's a little tricky for Calypso. Yeah, I only went as far as the pavement ended. Okay. <laughs> Took a picture there and left. Okay. <laughs> Checkbox, yeah, move on. Okay. Done. done. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tragedy that this sort of thing happens. But we hear stories like this. Every year or so that mm-hmm. there's a boat of immigrants, they yeah. land in Del Mar, Torrey Pines, and uh, it just was tragic that eight people lost their lives. Absolutely. I mean, it's, anybody loses their lives, yes. it's a tragic situation. It's a terrible story. And so, I don't know. I, but you're I, not going to stop, John. No, of course not. No, no. It's CP, not going to end. They need to – here's my angle on all this – is they need to make legal immigration easier, faster, cheaper. And if people could legally immigrate to America because they want to come here to pursue their life, to work, to help their family, then there would be less of the illegal immigration, less of the coyotes, less of these boats overturning in the middle of the night. And people could be more safely go between the two countries. It's the pits when you're the leading nation. Mm -hmm. Okay. If things were okay – in their own countries, would there be a desire to leave that country where you were born and come to this one? All right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The reason they're coming here is because the perception is that it's better well, than where they're coming from. And that's generally true. <laughs> um, because they have all the cartels that are down in those those countries that are creating all this violence and disruption in Central America. Yep. A lot of them are escaping a lot of that violence, which ironically is caused by the U.S.'s own drug war. It's a manifestation of the policies in America. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's this it's is a, a vicious topic. circle. It is a vicious circle. And it's a th- I just think about America's history where millions of people came to America between the Civil War and World War I to, to settle in North America and settle in the United States. Not just then. I'm, I'm the first natural-born American citizen in my family. Good for you. Yeah. All right. My mother was Canadian. My father was English. Mm-hmm. Okay. My sister was born in Canada because that's where my dad and my mom started off. 
Then they moved to New York, upstate New York, and presto change of I was born. Okay, so I'm the first American citizen. And don't think that didn't weigh heavily on my decisions to do run my life the way I had. Mm. Because I had reached, for my family's purposes, I was born in Nirvana. Mm. Yeah. That was, I'm supposed to be grateful for being here. Right. Okay, how do you show your gratefulness? You pay it back. Ah. All right, so that's what got into my head as a teenager was how do I show my appreciation for the fact that I'm here and what this country gives us. So that was one of your motivations for enlisting. Absolutely. I didn't know that part of the story. Well, the other thing was avoiding the draft, which is a big issue. Yeah, <laughs> but I thought it was also pissing off your father because he wanted you to go to Brown. Multiple reasons. Yeah, okay, there's a lot going on. Okay. Let's uh, just a couple of quick uh, other um, items to talk about. Um, Silicon Valley Bank has been in the news. I mean, this has been, a, a you know, another kind of tragic situation for a lot of people. But there's a lot of blame going on. You know, whose fault is it? Um, uh, so I know you had some an interesting angle on this. So maybe you could share your thoughts. Okay. You know, I'm not fully retired. Right. Okay. I'm not working, working like I used to work for companies, but I am working with a company, okay, helping them with what I'm good at, mm -hmm. okay? And they're a small startup company. In San Diego? No. No. We have people, I'm the only one in San Diego. We got people in San Jose, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Michigan, Puerto Rico, think I've named them all. Wow. All right. But the banking was done in San Jose. Ah. At Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon Valley Bank. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All our On Thursday, we got the Thursday, late Thursday afternoon, the CEO got the word that the bank was closed. Mm. <laughs> the payroll was coming up this week. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he's going to, what, what yeah. are we going to do? Um, uh, by... I think it was Saturday night he knew that we were going to be okay based on what was coming out of the federal government. Okay. And um, Monday it happened. The feds came in, did the assurances and stuff. Yeah. So the money got transferred from wherever it was under the custody of the FDIC mm -hmm. to the people that take care of the company's payroll. That took place Monday, late Monday. So, and yeah, people get their paychecks on time. Good. So. Okay. So crisis averted, at least for the employees in your company. Well, not only that, I mean, you know, the FDIC minimum of 250,000 would cover the payroll for a few cycles. Yeah. But we're in the middle of cl clinical trials. That's expensive. Mm -hmm. All right. Millions are involved. And we said, oh, how are we going to exist? When, when our job is to pass FDA clinical trials, how are we going to do this if we can't access the money to fund the clinical trials? Right. Well, 
a lot of startups in their same situation. It's a do or die situation. So, yeah, the investment money paid for by the investors that are wagering their money on us, that was all part of it. Yeah, and then so, and for the investors, I mean, they put in all that money and, and it's now sitting in your account and now that might have gone poof. So the investors are going going, "Oh my god." <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Uh, so everyone I'm, is having trouble here. So it's interesting too this story how you know, how many tentacles it has to it. Oh, yeah. Because uh, at first you think, oh, that's just up in Silicon Valley. You know, it's just for those, uh, you know, tech guys up there in Santa Clara. But I just named them San Diego, San Jose, Massachusetts, yeah. Puerto Rico, Michigan. Yeah. So it's everywhere. And and then, you know, there's been there was another bank here in San Diego. I think it was called Signature Bank. Yeah. That was um, that was closed or they're unwinding, I think, because they were specializing in crypto. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's just a lot of, you know, kind of a little bit of volatility, I guess credits, is it called credit Swiss bank? I think is now there's some issues there. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we don't have another banking crisis like we had in 2008. Well, I'll tell you the FDIC, they only sign up for 250,000, 250. Yeah. So that's what I don't understand is how are they able to insure all that additional money? They took custody of the bank. Okay, and the bank has assets, but the assets are depreciating because the value has gone down on the bonds. Not to the extent as you think. Okay. All right. Yes, it depreciates a percentage, but enough to cover – there was enough money there to cover what needs to be done. So when I'm going to hear about this from all the people. When, <laughs> when the president said that no tax dollars would be used, he mm-hmm. was speaking the truth. It was coming from the money that was actually in the bank. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm still skeptical of that because, <laughs> because the money has to come from somewhere. And so the money, the money that they had in securities that, in, that were in the longer term securities, which paid a little more interest, yeah. that, okay, that they don't have access to that. You know, so maybe they're going to give them access to their own money again. But if that's exactly, that's exactly what's taking place. But if the value of those assets has gone down because bonds go down when interest rates go up, and so if those bond uh, prices have gone down substantially, it's going to be. I mean, I just wonder if if the money in FDIC that only covers up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars is that going to be enough? If you use that money plus the the actual valuation of their securities, I think they're going to still need more money. Oh, yeah. yeah and so yeah. where is that going to come from? And I think in the end, it's all going to come from taxpayers. It'll, it'll be another bank. It'll well, be another maybe bank. if another bank buys them. Yeah. So It looks like a good buy to another bank right now. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, the Fed's, Fed's going to take care of the noise level. Is it going to be worth the $189 billion it was worth? I think it was $189 billion. I thought it was like 400-something billion. Maybe it was. Yeah. All right. Whatever number you pick, <laughs> all right, it probably came down 17 20%. Yeah. Yeah, something right. like that. A significant percentage down. But there's enough money to be of interest to another bank or a new organization to take that over at that level. Okay. Okay. The big buck people, yes, they probably lost. They were making probably, uh, I would say, probably somewhere between a f- seven to ten percent return on their investment over time, mm-hmm. as it was as 
Silicon Valley Bank. Okay. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't do very well this year. No, no they, they probably didn't. went negative five percent. But so, you know, yeah. During during this period, my trust. All right, that not only my own but my bank, my the, my dad's trust for me that actually doesn't come to me; it comes to my my kids. I mean that. Dep- COVID knocked the shit out of that. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, I lost damn near 20% due to the COVID crisis. Mm. Is it is it stopping me from paying my rent? No, this is trust yeah. fund. Right. It's pie in the sky money that will be paid out someday mm-hmm. to somebody. So, yeah, I mean, it's... I don't, I'm fine. Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad you're fine. Okay, <laughs> because I'm sure that was a huge crisis for a lot of people. So, oh, we were sweating bullets. Oh, I'll bet. We I mean, thought the company just went away. Well, I know, and I remember we were scheduled to do this podcast, and you weren't sure if you were going to be able to do it. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, um, so that's survivable. Let's move on. Um, we kind of talked about. Uh, well, we've already gone 45 minutes, and we're talking about San Diego stories. But I want to get now to. The topics of President Biden and his recent visit to San Diego, the the nuclear submarine deal that was struck, the Ukraine-Russia war, which you and I have kind of swapped some ideas on this over the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's start there. I mean, with let, let me uh, let me pull up the uh, well. The topic that I the topic that fired me up was this is three four weeks ago now mm-hmm. when I first started noticing the number of people talking about the Ukraine and not getting involved in supporting Ukraine. Okay. Okay. Let's go there first then, right? You want to talk about Ukraine, Russia? Yeah. Okay. Um, we should be supporting Ukraine. Mm-hmm. They are doing something that's inevitable. They're fighting Russia. Well, they're defending their homeland. I mean, they were they, they were invaded. Were, they were invaded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. But that's not out of character for what Russia wants to do. They want to expand back. Right. Why the Ukraine? That's where all the smarts are. Yeah, a lot of natural resources, too. I mean, when I was in the Navy, the big panic we had was over the, the their Navy ship, the Kiev. Mm-hmm. It wasn't named Moscow. <laughs> the right. number one warship that we had to panic about was the Kiev. That was Ukrainian. Right, because it was part of the USSR then, right? <laughs> it yeah. was part of the USSR. Mm-hmm. It was part of the Cold War issue. Mm-hmm. Ukraine became its own country when we won the Cold War. Right. Cold War isn't over. Yeah, it's just gone into a different phase. Different form. Yeah. All right, and now it's popped up as the war in the Ukraine. They're fighting for their country. Should we say no? We took on a position as the police force of the world when this country was created. It goes back to our creation. Like the Barbary Coast, I think. Civil War. I mean, actually, yeah. not Civil War, Revolutionary War. Well, yeah, even then. Yeah, yeah. Who was the number one nation in the world as an ocean-going sea power? At the beginning of the Revolutionary War. England. Yeah. They were the police force of the world. Mm-hmm. 
they had sailing ships all over every ocean. Like the East India Trading Company, and they got to you know enforce those trade routes and everything else back then. Protect the trade routes. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You're the police force to the world. We hit them in the teeth. Mm-hmm. We had a revolution to a new form of government. We came out of the Revolutionary War. We're the new cops on the street mm-hmm. because they lost a lot of their military in fighting the Revolutionary War, and they lost. Mm-hmm. So who takes over the police force of the world? See, that, I mean, that's, this is a lot of different angles to this as well. So, As uh, of my angle. <laughs> well, that's a good one. I mean, because some people have said, should America be the policeman of the world? And George Washington. He said that? Yeah. Well, he also said to avoid an entangled alliances. In As he was leaving the presidency, that's what he said. Stay out of Europe. Right. All right. He caused the situation. <laughs> he beat him. Right. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, I think when, when, when the United Nations was created, I think people kind of thought that would be sort of, kind of like a policeman of the world. But it certainly has not turned into that. It's become no. a very different thing. Yeah. And, you know, America, should America be the policeman of the world? Well, assuming you say that America is the policeman of the world now, it's clear that, that America cherry picks which situations they want to police. Of course we do. You know, they pick certain ones. They look the other way on others. Sometimes America is the one causing the trouble, you know, in some of these situations. Um, so, I mean, how do you draw that line? Well, <laughs> I didn't stay in the Navy for 20 years. I only did nine. Mm-hmm. The reason I did nine is because of a number of reasons. But in that pile, not at the top of the list, okay, but in the towards the bottom of that list was, I don't particularly care for this game we're playing. Mm, okay. All right. I think this could be done differently, and therefore I don't want to be a part of that. Now, the bigger number one reason was my wife. You know, you could, she's never really said this, but it's an expression I use all the time. She said, by my quote, you can be married to your submarines or you can be married to me. Pick one. <laughs> That's great. Right. I mean, I think I remember you telling me that story. So, yeah. well, you made the right choice, I think. Yeah. So that was that was the icing on the cake. That was the final factor in the decision-making process as to why I left the submarine, riding submarines, why I left my job. Were there other reasons? Yes. One of them was I didn't particularly care for the game we were involved in. Okay. Did I understand my orders? Yes, I understood my orders. I carried out my orders. Took an oath to follow the orders. Okay. Did I believe in the orders? No. That's where I started to have a problem. Mm-hmm. When I started to become aware of the motivation, all right, for what we were doing, that's when I said, yeah, I don't particularly agree with this. Yeah. Well, this is interesting, too, because um – you know, there's always a certain amount of propaganda that goes around, you know, wars and, you know, you got to be America first and you got to, you know, support the red, white and blue. But 
and it, and they and they and, and if you don't necessarily agree with it, then they they think you're not a patriot. You know, they right. they think you're an anti-American. Right. But when you go down and peel the layers of the onion, you you realize the motivations for the war, and they're not always as noble or as virtuous as they're being made out to be. Well, the thing that bothered me about the game, as I call it, all right, and I call it a game because it's the easiest way of handling the classified nature of everything. Okay. Yeah. Um, if we do it, they do it. Mm-hmm. That's the way... It could be perceived. Well, it's a cat and mouse kind of thing too, isn't it? And it's everywhere. Yeah. It's wherever you go. So if we don't do it, there's no need for them to do it? Maybe. Chances are they're going to do it anyway. All right. So we sort of have to do it to keep the balance. But it's a stupid game. It is, yeah. It's a foolish game. It puts us so close to bad situations like a Poway-designed aircraft flying into the Black Sea. Hmm. That's, that, was, that just happened. That just happened. General Atomic's drone was just shot down by a Russian uh, airplane, right? It's one incident. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. Right. All right. A little over a year ago when the— when the Russians, I keep saying Soviets. <laughs> you got to say Russians now. I can't say Soviets. Yeah. When the Russians invaded the Ukraine, first thing I did was, okay, who's watching them? Who's making sure that the rules are followed? So I went on my app on my phone. Sure enough, there's a drone flying right where it is in the middle of the Black Sea. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? They're watching. Right. All right. How bad is this going to get mm-hmm. is the question being asked. And the drone is put in a position to answer that question. Supply us with that information. All right. Russians don't like that. They played with it today. Yeah. Yesterday. Well, it's kind of like the balloons that were flying over America a few weeks ago. <laughs> same old, same old. Yeah. It's a bridge of the stupid game. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, do we eavesdrop on the Chinese? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Do we eavesdrop on the Soviets? Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But if we were to stop doing that, putting our servicemen at risk, Mm -hmm. will they stop? Who knows, you know? Probably not. Probably not, yeah. Because what's going to take place is they're going to go after their wanna. In the case of Russia, it's they want the <laughs> they want the military capability that the Ukraine gave them. You just said the Ukraine, by the way. <laughs> but uh, Ukraine uh, gave them. Yeah, right. Uh, that's a whole other tangent. But um, uh, yeah, well, I mean, well, Putin has made that clear that the dissolvement of the USSR was the worst thing that happened in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And he wants to rebuild Russia's prominence. I mean, he wants to rebuild what used to be the USSR. And the Ukraine, I just said it, was the first step in that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So this is, it's all a part of being the police force to the world. We know who the players are. All right. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, this is a deep hole. We got how long can this podcast last? Do we have any people asking questions? No, we anything? don't. No, I think we're kind of uh, by ourselves. We're kind of quick. just enjoying this by ourselves. We'll get more <laughs> views on the on the on the recording. Yeah. <sighs> this has been going on as my entire life. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was an active participant in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> I got to be careful about what I do on my Sea Stories webpage because of the amount of classified information that's there Yeah, behind the story. I can't talk about this. I can't talk about mm-hmm. that. Okay. But there's uh, – I've got material up there that people, smart people look at. I say, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. They just mentioned the fact that the reason Biden came here – was to talk to the UK and Australia about primarily Australia getting nuclear-powered submarines. Right. So we're going to give them some three to five, I think is the number that they were talking about. These are existing submarines. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. right. And they have plans to build more, I think. Yeah. They're going to evolve into that scenario. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So, when I was in riding submarines, I couldn't even go to Australia, New Zealand area part part of the world. We had to avoid that by 500 miles. We couldn't be within 500 miles. Well, apparently, um, Australia has a very, you know, they're a self-opposed— Hmm? I coupled that with New Zealand too. The two of them were two peas in a pod because they're they're anti-nuclear, and Absolutely. so apparently <laughs> when this deal went down for the submarines, the Australian uh, Prime Minister made it really clear that these are nuclear powered but not nuclear armed submarines, and that Australia will continue to be a nation that does not have nuclear arms. So maybe that's part of the reason is they wanted to keep you out of that. They just wanted to be left alone. They Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This is – I'm talking end of the Vietnam War era. Yeah. Okay. And that was kind of in their neck of the woods. So. We weren't allowed to go anywhere close to Australia. On a nuke boat, we couldn't go there. Could go there on a diesel submarine. Yeah, right. but the nuclear ones couldn't. Yeah. But the nuclear ones could not. Yeah. Why? Because of the reactor. Right. The nuclear, they don't want any part of radioactivity. Yeah. But now, I mean, with China going into the South China Sea, there's been history there. Um, You know, I'd imagine Australians are probably feeling like they need to better defend themselves. Yeah, because we're backing out. We're backing out. Yeah. I think we are not as prominent in the Western Pacific as we once were. But I always hear these stories about them doing exercises around Korea, exercises— You know, around uh, Westpac, around Taiwan, but still, it's a lot less than what we used to have. Uh, probably, not. I don't know the actual numbers. I'm nowhere close to it now. Should have been a question for Charlie. <laughs> All right, but uh, I know that we moved out lock, stock, and barrel out of the Philippines. There was a major Navy base there called Subic Bay. I've mm-hmm. been in and out of it many times, but during the Marcos era. 
U.S. bailed, which reduced our capability to support parts of the ocean out there. Wasn't that where General MacArthur said we would be back? Oh, yeah. It was the Philippines? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Now we have Guam. Right. We have Okinawa. We're friendly with Japan. I'm assuming Yakuza still exists for the Navy. I don't know all these places, but I'm I'm naming off all the places where I was in the 60s, mm-hmm. 70s. Okay. Well, Japan is now bolstering their own military, where they had kind of a non-military presence for many decades after As the war. As a function of them losing the war. Right. We were responsible for protecting them because we didn't want them to have a military. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, apparently now they're starting to build something. We're, some, now, yeah. So maybe that's part of this process where we can back off a little bit. Right. Um, and let Japan defend itself. And let Australia take care of the southern part of it. Yeah. I mean, that seems logical. So we're backpedaling out of being the police force to the world in that particular area. But but isn't this a better approach, really? Then because I think it's perfect. Yeah, because then everyone's sort of protecting their own turf, but we're all still allies. We yep. all still trade. We have diplomacy, tourism. We're kind of united in many ways. Yep. Um, but it's coordinated rather than you know big old U.S. rolling in with their destroyers. We, uh, we we kind of just cooperate on how we're going to manage our own sections of the globe. I, I think that's the ideal formula. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And yeah. what, what, what's your take on uh, Taiwan? Do you think China is going to go into Taiwan? Eventually. But that's dangerous because of the semiconductor industry. <laughs> it's dangerous for a lot of reasons. Yeah. The people of Taiwan, remember, we're on the other side of the revolution. Chairman Mao, you've got to read his book, The Red Book. They believe that's the base document of the Communist Party is Chairman Mao's Red Book. Mm-hmm. Everybody carries one. Right. Uh, it's fascinating because he outlines the way his society should operate, the way life should be run to the individual person. This is how you should behave. All right. And it, that overtook the entire country of China. The people who were against that concept, okay. Boy, I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble. The true capitalists, mm-hmm. they escaped. They went to Taiwan. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. And it became a separate functioning entity. Mm-hmm. All right. Piss the Chinese off big time, having their opposition still in existence. Yeah. They wanted to eliminate that thinking entirely. Mm-hmm. All right? They want that island. Mm-hmm. So. Just an old grudge. It's an old damn but, grudge. But it'll give kind of a little more of a tangent, but interesting – you know, they were. You're right. They were generally more pro-capitalist, less communist, less socialist. So they go to Taiwan. Taiwan prospers while China remains sort of in the dark ages through much of the 20th century until until China started adopting little pieces of capitalism. The Nixon era. Yeah. They started opening up. They started trading. They started manufacturing. And then the quality of life, the standard of living went up for, I mean, over a billion people came out of poverty 
since 1990 in yep. Southeast Asia because of just a little bit of growth of capitalism. I think it's fascinating. But now it seems like uh, she is going backwards now. You know, he's just being a lot more. She is going back to the original doctrines of the what established the country. Yeah. All right. They're clamping down on Hong Kong, a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad. Uh, but he's an American educated guy. You know, he, he his education is here in the I US. didn't know that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he understands the American perspective too. Correct. Okay, that's good actually. It uh, works in our favor. Unfortunately, okay, the Communist Party has a has him in their handhold. <laughs> by the balls. Yeah. <laughs> Using the by the balls well, you know, yeah. gesture. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I mean, he does and says things according to the party line. Yeah. Well, it just seems like he's gotten a lot more authoritarian, you know, a lot more willing to well, clamp down on, I mean, on that's freedom. The way, that's the way the communist government works. Yeah. Well, I think what you're going to see when that happens is, is I think their economy is going to regress. And I think you're going to see a lot, a lot more, you know, almost like the people coming to the black speech on the boats. You're going to see probably more people leaving China. I think that will take place, and I think that will also get his attention. And, and in my opinion, America should welcome them with open arms and kind of brain drain China, you know, bring good people here that want to grow and prosper in America. It'll make America better, make you and me better. So we do have a housing problem. Well, yeah, because people like you don't want to build uh, on Arbolitos. And I'm joking with you. I know it around. does. It does. It um, but around. we do have a housing problem. But let's let, can we go back to, to the Russia Ukraine part of this? Yeah. Um, now, you know, I've I've had a lot of personal changes of opinion on foreign policy over the last few decades. You know, what are the situation where America should be not involved? Or a situation where America should offer moral and verbal support, a situation where America should supply armaments and maybe funding, and then the fourth level of is America providing troops, you know, and and aircraft with piloted by Americans in the war, and it's interesting how you can decide. Which one is which? And and you look at the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, this war in Ukraine. They're all different. They're all different circumstances. But what do you think America's proper role should be in the Ukraine-Russia conflict? My personal opinion is the, exactly the way it's being run right now. We should be providing them weapon systems and moral support. Mm -hmm. All right. To a point. All right. We should be defending Allowing the Ukrainians to defend themselves. Should we provide them weapon systems that gives them a 30-mile no-man's land on the, so, on the Russian side <laughs> of the border? Right. All right? No. No. We shouldn't, go, we shouldn't allow that to take place. But you know that's probably going to be coming into play. So it's right? kind of like defense versus offense. Correct. Right, so we should allow them to defend themselves, defense, but not necessarily go in and blow up Moscow. Correct. Right. We get, and that's a fine line of capability. Right. Because it comes down. In the case of the aircraft, it's going to come down to the guy sitting in this in the seat. This sh shot down drone thing today. Mm -hmm. 
I'm willing to bet that's probably a 75, 80% chance that the pilot said, hot damn, I can do this. I don't think he was ordered to do it. Oh, a Russian pilot that shot it down? Yeah. Or did what he did. Mm -hmm. All right. I think he pushed the envelope. I don't think he's flying anymore now. Uh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> I'm curious, where do you think the pilot of the drone was? Were they like in some bunker in Oklahoma? You know, well, I know or? the aircraft came out of Italy somewhere. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. But they're remote control piloted, right? I mean, yeah. by somebody. Like it's yeah. like a video game for the guy that's flying it. Well, having the fuel dumped on them probably ruined a lot of his visibility. Mm -hmm. All right. I don't think – I think he knew he was in bad shape. And I think that's why they made the decision they did. Put it in the sea. Well, then I, I've heard one story that the Russians were going to take the drone and send it to Iran so it could be reverse engineered. But then I also heard that the U.S. military wasn't so, so concerned, almost implying that they had a self-detonation feature. Well, they put it in the, they put it in the Black Sea. Okay. So that maybe that's what it is. That's yeah. the self-detonate. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what came down to the guy that was actually flying the thing said uh, – I'm not going to be able to make it back to Italy. Yeah. All right. There's no place for me to land this thing. And right. He was given it, put it in the water. Okay. That's that's what I think went down there. But I think that decision was pretty plain. I'm fairly certain that that Russian pilot, not Soviet, Russian pilot uh, overstepped his orders today. Yeah, I would imagine so. I, I think that's him being the Tom Cruise of yeah, Moscow. Exactly. Because <laughs> um, it happens. I mean, oh yeah, of course it happens. You know, you know, because these guys, the pilots, are they're cocky and they like to be showboats. Look what I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, question for you is: Is that at what level do you think? Um, what What would Russia have to do? in order for the U.S. to properly and morally send troops in? What would have to happen? I don't want to go down that path. Well, it seems like to me that— Right now, my feeling is no American troops. Well, I agree. I, I, I'm in agreement with you. I think the way America's handling it right now is the right way. Mm -hmm. It's moral support. It's, it's providing them with the armaments so they can defend themselves. Um, Strategically, I don't think doing anything by the U.S. in the Ukraine would be a good strategic move. It would just be really poking the bear, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be in the wrong spot. Yeah, but right? but if, I'd I'd much rather if it was me and something happened that crossed our line, St. Petersburg, make that harbor unusable. Oh, take that one out. Okay. All right. Nothing to do with the Ukraine. This is a separate issue. You're involving us. Yeah. We have nothing to do with the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. All right. You attacked our people or our ship or whatever you did. Payback. Yeah. And then then the game continues. The tit for tat, right? Tit for tat. So, but Will let's, it escalate? Oh, yeah. Well, it could. Highly likely. But let's just say hypothetically that Russia takes over Ukraine and then they continue the progress to expand to the former USSR, and now they begin to go into Poland or into Hungary. Well, just go with me on a hypothetical. Okay. Now you're involved in NATO nations. There you go. 
Okay, and then that is when U.S. troops have to be deployed, right? A percentage. Uh huh. We have to work through NATO at that point. I mean, it's it's no different from my time in seventy seven, seventy eight during the Mediterranean runs. I mean, we had our orders, but our orders were coming from NATO. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. What we were asked to do came from NATO. And we followed – that came to the military and the military passed it to us and we did what – Right. It's do. all coordinated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You you were out kind of in that general area, weren't you, when you were I serving? I had orders to Sinop, Turkey at one point in time. Wow. <laughs> 1975, I was sitting here going to school in San Diego, met Wendy, um, and when I was done with school, they sent had me orders to go to Sinop, Turkey. I said, what in the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And they said, well, we're setting up a station there. This is on the border of the Black Sea. Mm-hmm. All right. About 100 miles from where the drone was shot down. Mm, okay. All right. And no, I'm a submarine sailor. I'm a volunteer. So, yeah. Fortunately, halfway through that battle with Bupers, we lost diplomatic relations with Turkey. And I got my orders cut to New London, Connecticut, and I was back on the boats. But mm-hmm. there was a time frame there that I was going to send up Turkey, and I was fighting it like hell. So... Yeah, that little top of the ears part of Turkey mm-hmm. that sticks into the Black Sea, that's Sinop. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I could have been there in 19, late 75, early 76, but instead I went to Groton instead. Yay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so this is kind of, all of this is, you, know, you see the, the map is always presented on the news, and you're probably I know that place, I know this place, right? Because I mean, oh, it's extreme interest. I mean, yeah, we, we used to call it the, the dog ears patrol. Was the that part of the Mediterranean, the whole Turkey Black Sea thing? Mm-hmm. The patrol area was if you drew it out on the chart, it was literally a set of dog ears. Wow, <laughs> you know, so that was the dog ears patrol. Do you do you think um, Putin could do something very unpredictable, like th- to escalate this, yeah. to drop nuclear bombs, to attack America? Because it seems to me he's getting more and more desperate. Yes, he's he losing is. a lot of his troops. And there's talk that maybe he's losing some of his uh, mental capabilities. Um, yeah. What do you think? I think there's enough of an insulating barrier between him and actually doing it. He's losing a lot of support in his circle. Mm-hmm. His circle's gotten greatly reduced. Um, yeah, I, I, he's in an interesting situation. I would not want to be him right now. Yeah. Um, th- th- it's all – I mean, it's kind of crazy what's going on in the world right now because, you know, we well, just when the Berlin wall, wall went down, we thought, hey, man, it's going to be all cool. It's a, You know, there's not going to be as much conflict. But then we had all the 9-11, the Gulf War, and now we're in this new era of Russia as a threat, China as a threat, nuclear submarines. I mean, there's a lot going on. Hasn't changed from when I was in, John. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, it's like we're kind of – it's like the Cold War is back in a yeah. different phase. In a different phase. But it, it seemed like in the – there was a moment there, you know, in between the Berlin Wall falling and George H.W. taking us into Gulf War One, mm-hmm. where I was thinking, hey, there's – like we have an opportunity here to have world trade, world peace. You know, the military could relax a little bit. And, uh, and, you know, we can just focus on, you know, making human civilization better. But then we went right back into the tank. We didn't. We haven't moved a goddamn inch. Our position is exactly the same as it was 10. Compares to 10 years ago, it compares to 20 years ago, compares to 30 years ago. Well, you said we're regressing in the Western Pacific. Maybe that's very recent. Yeah. Because that's something we decided to do consciously. Mm Mm-hmm. We can trust the Japanese. We can let them have a military. We were the ones that said, no, you cannot have any weapon systems. You mm-hmm. just caused the entire World War II in the Pacific. So when the peace treaty was done, no, you can't have any military. Don't worry about it. We're responsible. We'll defend you. Although their military system turned into automobiles, Mitsubishi. Yeah. <laughs> They just transformed their manufacturing capability into. They went through a huge evolution. Mm-hmm. It's been a significant number of years since World War II ended. Well, I think we can trust the Japanese. They own half the United States anyway in real estate. Well, they used to. <laughs> that was like in the late eighties yeah, and early nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, they owned a lot of Hawaii. I know that. Yeah, they did. I, was, <laughs> I mean, you but, know, but. but it's gotten to the point now where we can start handling off, and we are handing off the defense of Japan to Japan. Agreed. All right. Well, that throttles back on the need for us to be there. All right. Boop, boop. What about South China Sea and further south? Yeah. The entrance to the Indian Ocean. What about those trade routes? Yeah. Let's bring Australia into the mix. Right. right. Let them take care of it. I mean, I told you, we had to avoid... I can't talk about it. It's okay, classified. we won't talk about it. But, <laughs> but you know, there's just there's a lot going on. I mean, because yeah, like uh, Kim in North Korea is still firing stuff up. I mean, you know, and that guy, you never know what he's going to do. Yeah, he's a noise level issue. He's dangerous. Yeah, but he's down way down the totem pole. Well, how how do you differentiate between America's role in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Ukraine? Which ones are right? Which ones are wrong? And why? Hmm. My personal Mm -hmm. thing. Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, I wouldn't have gotten into with a 10-foot pole to start off with. Nobody. Going back to um, William the Conqueror. Can control that area. <laughs> yeah, you can go back a long way. Yeah, that's that's an uncontrollable Alex the Great. area. Yeah. All right. So we should never have been involved in that. All right. Unfortunately, in those days, prior to electricity going into automobiles, we were very concerned about oil. Right. That's what got us involved in that. Oh yeah, no doubt. Whole mishmash. To the point where we were meddling with their government. All right, putting people into power that we thought would run things our way, but little did we know, you can't control that. No. That's a mishmash of 
people. Right. It's a di- and it's a different worldview. I mean, you know, totally because you know we just did the deal with the UK and Australia, and they have a similar perspective. Uh, Partway. Remember, they don't want any nuclear. Yeah, right. I mean, but but generally speaking. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I think that was the false assumption is that we could bring democracy to the world. You know, we could. Yeah. But I, in a lot of ways, I think that was a little bit of the propaganda message, because in the, the same end, mistake we made in Vietnam. Yeah. Same damn mistake. I mean, I don't. We should learn from the French. Right. <laughs> the French make these mistakes far sooner in history than we did. Mm-hmm. And we should have paid attention. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when the Iraq war went down, I was very against it. And thankfully, I was proven right on how the whole thing sorted out, you know, about WMDs and all that. The Afghanistan conflict, it seemed like it was appropriate to respond to 9-11, but it should have been a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And we're out of there instead of being there for like 20 plus years. Right. Um, but the Ukraine one does definitely seems interesting to me because if America is a country that says we're the land of the free, we're the home of the brave, we're the country that stands for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You have to stand up to thugs like Biden uh, – not Biden, pardon me, by Putin. They've actually – both have five letters and some similar characters in their names. But when Putin invaded Ukraine, I mean that's like a violation of their rights, of Ukraine, Ukrainians' rights to manage their life and their liberty and pursuit of happiness. Yeah, I so mean, it, how would we feel if all of a sudden the Soviet – the Russians yeah. moved into Boston? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's the same thing. Yeah, so so it, it, it to me I am I'm, I'm 100% behind um the moral support part of it and the bully pulpit vocal support behind it. Mm-hmm. 100%. Providing weaponry, yes, to a degree. Providing funding, yes, but to a lesser degree, but I would never provide troops. I, th- I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I, I- I'm with you 100%. I yeah. don't think we should commit troops, but I think we should let the industrialized war machine in the United States have a ball with the Ukraine. Well, they with are. Ukraine. Well, because I, I think the U.S. Biden's most recent military budget is like around a trillion dollars, um, which is you think we're supposedly at peace. We're no longer at war in Afghanistan, and yet the budget keeps going up. So I think that's what they're doing. I think they're they're spending money on supporting Ukraine. And where does that money come from? Well, it doesn't come from the FDIC. <laughs> it comes from taxpayers. You know, I, I no, I think there's a dotted line connection between international trade deals between the United States and other countries. I think that's where this money is going to eventually come from. Is the huge IOU from Ukraine. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're asking for our help, and you you got to expect that we're going to want something in return, right? Yeah, I mean, that's natural. It's trade. Yep. Uh, you help me, I help you. Yep. Um, okay. So uh, there's a huge IOU right now being written every time he ships something over. Oh yeah, they they put it on the books. And there's a dollar yeah. amount that's being reflected. Yeah. Do we temporarily end up paying it for it with our tax dollars? Probably, because the money's going to come from somewhere. But there's an IOU in that form. And, okay. and, and that IOU can be paid back in many ways. It could be paid back with cash. It could be paid back by an alliance with America so that they become 
not necessarily a vassal state, but that they become, you know, part of this uh, set of allies in the world. They got some real clever people in their industry over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, have they made mistakes? Chernobyl. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, yes, they have made mistakes, but they push the limit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I started this podcast at the beginning. I mentioned the Kiev. That was a hell of a warship. That was a threat. Mm-hmm. All right. Where did it come from? Ukraine. Ukraine. Well, that's probably why the Russians are still in, in Croatia, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty strategic place to be. Yeah. Yeah. They still got access to the thinking power of that part of the – anyway. So did you – did you, you you didn't see any of the footage of when President Biden came to San Diego? Bits and pieces of it. But it was kind of cool because he had Air Force One come into Lindbergh Field, I think. No, or no, it was North, North Island, Island. North Island. And then um, he was in one of the Ospreys and they went out over to the polo fields in Del Mar and landed there. And then uh, then he got in one of these SUVs and I guess they were meeting with – yeah, the UK Prime Minister and the Australian Prime Minister. And I think he did some fundraising in Rancho Santa Fe as well, yeah. which is probably pretty smart. Well, that, the only thing I saw was he was on sub base because there was a submarine all lined with American colors in the background there. Oh, right. I saw that footage. And so that's yeah. Point Loma. Yeah, like Rosecrans. That was the sub that. base. Spent wow. a lot of time there. But Charlie did, has too. But the, the, at the sub base, they don't build them there. They just kind of dock there and maintain them there, right? No, I mean, I, the original thing I was hearing is that they were under interest. The first thing I heard was they were interested in new construction. And I said, why is he coming to San Diego? Mm-hmm. Why isn't he going to Groton, Connecticut or Ingalls Shipbuilding or Newport News? Mm-hmm. All right. That's where they build the boats. Mm-hmm. Okay. But no, they're buying some of the um, – I can't even remember the name of the class of the submarine. God, I gotta get. I'm such an old guy now. I'm forgetting. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, it's interesting, but yeah, for for the San Diego area, I mean, this is going to be you know hopefully a little bit of an uh, economic activity. I mean, you hate to think of it in those terms because these are weapons of war, but that's just the fact that it's going to help people here in San Diego. But it's just interesting whenever the president of the United States comes to your town, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a big deal. And it seemed like it almost sort of shocked us. It was like suddenly he was on the news and he was in San Diego. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when all of a sudden people reach agreements and meetings. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, is the, the prime minister from the UK, um, I believe, I think is of Indian descent. You know, so, again, the, the evolution of, um, you know, our world and how it's changing Um it's very, it's very interesting. Yeah, I, I think that whole thing is fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, it's a good thing because I'm wondering how the king's going to do. Oh, Prince Charles, yeah, or King Charles. Pardon me. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like the whole monarchy is becoming more of a entertainment than anything else. Um, I, I don't know whether he's going to change that or not. It, it's it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, they just seem like figureheads, you know. Yeah. Well, like, the queen, the queen set it up that way. She, she, she backed out mm-hmm. entirely, and the burden switched over to the prime minister of being the politics, yeah, of the country. But he's subservient to the parliament. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, it's 
it's an interesting situation. I'm going to be interested to see what Charlie does with it. You know. Hmm. Charlie, I never thought of him in those terms. <laughs> All right. What else you got? Um, I covered the thing that I – oh, no. There's one aspect uh, that I want to get into that kicked off this whole desire. Where are we at time-wise? Uh, we're at an hour and a half. Okay. So I want to talk another 15 minutes and we'll wrap it up. That's fine. Go. Okay. There's no time limit on a podcast. My original request to come over here and have a podcast was when I was starting to hear the rumblings of some people uh, having the back out of Ukraine. Don't support them. Yeah, there's a lot of talk of that right now. All right. Um, That's where I said, no, we've got to be different. We've got to be. In there. Mm -hmm. We can't walk away from it. All right. Because if we walk away, step out of it, we're repeating history. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And I've become aware of us through a different thing altogether is my father-in-law, stepfather-in-law, as a teenager – collected information from an aspect of our entry into World War II. Hmm. Wow, okay. We're going way back. And the the thing that caught his eye as a young person, nowhere near draft age, he was not going to be susceptible to going into war, but he was old enough to realize that war was possible. Okay. He started a collection, and this is really fragile stuff. Okay. This looks like a scrapbook here. I'm going to pull this. Uh, New one. York World's Fair scrapbook. But look at the age of this thing. I mean, it looks like something with the ancient scrolls. <laughs> All right. What he did as a teen was he started this scrapbook. I'm going to get the title page up here for you. The cover came off. Anybody know what's going on in 1941? Well, something happened in December of that year. So his collections here starts off. This is amazing. The headlines of 1940. Wow. Wow. This amazing stuff? Yeah. So this is all like newspaper clippings. He made this scrapbook as a teen, you know, turning into a teenager. That's unbelievable. Wow. You have, this is so personally valuable to me because here is proof positive. And all the things that you read about in this book are the articles about America not being involved in World War II. Right, because there was a lot of talk about that, you know, back then, you know, that we didn't want to get involved. Now, I'm, I can't show you anymore. It's literally falling apart. Yeah, but I mean, this is unbelievable. I mean, it's like something like the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know. So when people say don't get involved in the Ukraine, you know, pick up all the pieces. They may be important someday. Okay, yeah. Um, 
We did that. We didn't. We fought against our role in World War II. Mm-hmm. All right. We've been down that path. It didn't work. Right. We eventually got involved in World War II. So nuts. And who won it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. We pushed it over the top. Right. In both oceans. All right. So should we be involved? <sighs> Let's not procrastinate the inevitable. We should be involved. Yeah, but involved can mean many things. In the form we're in. Yeah, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Send our send our military systems there for them to use, train them in how to use them. Right. Let them fight their battles. Right. But to have a hands-off and give the keys to the Ukraine, yeah. to Ukraine, to the Soviet Union, hell no. Well, see, what, what's interesting to me is, is that there's multiple positions. It's not simply should we be, you know, people like to say isolationists, well, what I, which always bugs the hell out of me because when you do diplomacy and trade and tourism, that's, but don't do military, that's not isolationism. But, but usually the debate is, is whether or not we are not involved or we're all the way involved, right? We got yeah. troops on the there's ground. A, there's a fine line. And, and so there, there, but there are multiple fine lines in that spectrum. And so it, we've, America's had a history of going, you know, gung ho U.S. military into a lot of causes that were flawed, that were bad policy, that were morally disastrous um, and we're not reflective of what America's supposed to stand for. Right. Um, so I, in my opinion with all of this, and this is how I've kind of evolved because I went from kind of being one of those don't get involved guys. But I'm realizing now that if we are going to stand up for our moral values of liberty, you life, know, life, liberty, li- and the pursuit of happiness. Right. If we believe that, Okay, then we need to stand up for that, not only for ourselves, which, by the way, we have a lot of work to do internally. Right. But but externally, when we see people have those same rights violated, we have to stand up for that and provide support for that cause, because sure. that's apparently what we're supposed to stand for. Right. Um, so uh, so, so I th- if, if we had a direct involvement, then mm-hmm. we have a direct involvement in the re- Payback as well. Right. All right. And I don't want that. I don't want Ukraine to be the 51st state. Right. Yeah. I don't, no, I don't, no one really wants that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, yeah, let's draw the line. You can have our weapon systems. You're a great, and we give you moral support, and we will help you treaty wise. Right. With NATO. Mm-hmm. We'll support you in that respect. But as far as sending troops in to fight the war for you? Yeah, yeah, no way. Ain't going to happen. Right, because, I mean, American sons and daughters shouldn't be, you know, losing their lives over the cause. Correct. Just like the Vietnam War, and we can make a long list. Now, keep in mind, there's a lot of people over there who are American citizens who are fighting right now in Ukraine. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're doing that on their own call. They're not government-supported. Right, but they're— um, well, there are Americans that just happen to live in Ukraine that are defending their their family and their life. life. Sure. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me because that's the whole, you know, 
um, immoral part of this is that there was an aggressor Correct. that that invaded their country and launched bombs into their country. And these people are just defending their families, defending their homes and their property. Mm-hmm. And if they happen to be American citizens or Ukrainian citizens, it almost that's irrelevant. It's a matter of just protecting what's yours. Yeah. Now, the next, you, you know, you get into the details of the argument, and this is where I'm going to say we, we draw a line. Okay. All right. 2014, when I got Calypso, was when they invaded Crimea. Right. There was not this furor over the Crimea. Crimea. No. All right. As a matter of fact, the viewpoint in the Ukraine says, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much the reaction. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that's as far as I go this time around, in my opinion. Yeah. Ukraine, Ukraine said, okay, to Crimea. All right. You can have that. No more. Mm-hmm. And that's the line they drew in the sand. Right. So this, we should not be supporting them in overtaking Crimea, which they may try. Right. For the seaport. Mm-hmm. All right. So anyway. Well, it comes down to defense versus offense. Yeah. We should allow them to defend their nation. And if they were willing to give up to Crimea, I mean, who are we to say, you yeah. know? But yeah. if if they want if they want to defend Korea, I mean Crimea, then yeah. But this also there's parallels with Taiwan and China with some of this as well, which oh, kind, yeah. which yeah. gets a little bit it gets yeah. sticky. It's not as clean cut on all of this. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, t- just you know, it's just interesting too when you kind of look at what Putin represents. Is you know, we talk about life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and as American values. Yeah. That Putin is the exact opposite of that. I mean, because he's he's very much a nationalist, um, which, by the way, I think that's why a lot of Republicans are either sympathetic to Putin mm-hmm. or are not wanting to get involved. Right. OK, because they support this whole idea of nationalism. And, and so here's a guy that wants to rebuild the former USSR. Here's a guy that wants to bring all the Orthodox Russians together. Um, and, you know, kind of reclaim our homeland, our our motherland. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, the, I mean, and all of that is sort of in conflict with the idea of individual liberty. Right. It's kind of individualism versus collectivism. So, I'm, I mean, I, I, again, I, the more I'm learning about this, the more I'm understanding it. And so I think it's good that we're in agreement that the policy that we have now is the best policy that we could probably craft um, ideally, nobody's invading anybody. Right. That's- and we're all getting along and we're trading and we're traveling and we have diplomats and we could have it, it's the, all good. We could have had a very good situation if Putin had never stepped his foot into the Ukraine. Yeah. Well, we could have had a really good situation if after the Berlin Wall fell that, that the, the leaders in the former USSR could find a way to embrace more free enterprise, more free trade. And then then you kind of have a lot more cooperation and friendliness. I mean, when you're in Europe and you drive and travel, you cross from Italy into Croatia and you didn't even know you crossed into a different country. There's no DMZ. There's no like border wall. No. You know, open. imagine if it was like that, like 
everywhere. Like when we go from Nevada to Utah, um, that would be wonderful. Uh, and that way people could just be free and pursue their happiness. Yep. I, I'm in complete and total agreement with you. I mean, that's the utopia. And you, there, there is no utopia. Yeah. But it's just sad when we see we're going in the opposite direction. Yep. Okay. Okay. You had a good time? I had a, what did we do, killed two hours? <laughs> An hour and 39 minutes. Yeah. Well, oh. We do got a comment here, someone on the live stream. Greg Herman uh, jumping in. He says, John, you need to get more information on Ukraine. Read some of Scott Ritter information. We're being played. Also watch Redacted on YouTube. There is no comparison to World War II. So Greg, by the way, Powegian, lives here, good guy. And his son, Rory, has been a guest on my podcast. And he is a professional hockey player, is now playing in the UK. Um, but Greg's a good guy. And I know Greg has some political comments he shares on Facebook. There, there are, Greg, there are a lot of different opinions and thoughts on Ukraine, for sure. And there's, I'm certain, loads of propaganda. I don't know in detail what's going on. I just know, for me, what I stand up for. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Me too. And, and so when I see other people's rights being violated— I'm concerned about that, you know, um, now how it's all going down and the money and the troops. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I just know what I know on the news and Greg, to your point. Yeah, I could, I could be a lot more educated. I'll, I'll check out the, the information you shared. Okay. I will, I will as well. Okay. But I, I, I'm going, I'm going to respond to the, to the one thing, uh, trying to figure out. Which part it was there? Oh, there is no comparison to World compar- War II. Well, the only comparison I draw is the percentage of the American public right now that's saying don't get involved in the Ukraine. That's the point I was making with this is we spent a considerable amount of time before World War II with a significant percentage of the com- country saying, don't get involved in World War, what became World War II. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the only comparison I'm making. That's the tie I see. Yeah, and that, that's, okay. a, that's a fair comparison. All right. But what's, you know, it's, what I find interesting is that the people that are most against supporting Ukraine are in the political party that typically has most aggressively pursued war in the past. In the past. Yeah. And now we have a president like Biden who historically has been the party has been sort of against the wars, although they were kind of approving them too. But he's the one that's being kind of more f- forward leaning on this. So it, it's it's yeah. I I Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is what this country is all about. Mm-hmm. We should support life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness with other democratic thinking people. If they are invaded, okay, we should assist them. Yeah, okay, but then you know, then that that's a Pandora's box because. You know, because these kinds of invasions are happening in all macro and micro yeah. levels all around the globe. And then are we the policemen of everything? We have. That's the position I took up at the beginning of the podcast is that we were forced into at the beginning of this country. 
we were forced into being the police force of the world. That's a role that we have done since 1780. Mm -hmm. All right. Because who had been the police force of the world was no longer capable of doing it because we destroyed significant amount of their ability to support it. Right. All right. So when you break something, you inherit it. It's your responsibility. Right. We broke it. It became our responsibility to be that police force to the ceilings, and I don't have any heartburn about that at all. Yeah. I just think it's tricky because uh, you can't police everything. But it's it's true even at a local level with our police department. Mm-hmm. They can't police everything. Um, they have to pick and choose to some degree. Yeah. Protecting the major sea lanes is, is the major thing that I felt I did in my military service is that mm-hmm. I made sure that the international waters remained international waters. Yeah. That the freighters were allowed to travel from port to port to port conducting trade. Right. That's right. liberty. <laughs> right. And then people can buy goods t- so they can pursue their happiness. Right. So yeah. it's all good. That's our job. That's what I was doing. That was the overall mission at hand that I had when I was in the service was making sure that the sea lanes for commerce stayed open mm-hmm. and were not controlled by anybody else. But you know they're still controlled. Are you familiar with the Jones Act? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a tangent. But, it is a tangent. Yeah. But, uh, but to your point, I agree with you philosophically. Keep international trade waters open. Allow people to travel and trade freely. That's a good thing. And, and, and good for you for supporting that. Yeah, it, it's becoming more and more difficult in the South China Sea. And the South China Sea is where I spent a hell of a lot of time back in my day. And it's worse now. Right. Because, because they've taken subsurface atolls and turned them into military bases. Yeah, those are like coral reefs or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. And then they made them islands. Yeah. Yeah. Like bases. Bases. Run, runways. <laughs> okay, kind of like North Island maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a little yeah. bit like that. All right. Yeah. So that's it's it's still a hotbed. It's still got to be protected. It's still got to be have the presence of a police force of the world. And I'm glad that Australia is going to pick up the southern part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. A hundred percent there. So so this has been a great conversation. You know, like, like what I'm trying to do now in the podcast, as you know, is I'm trying to have like not just focus on just little old Poway. Right. right. Which I love doing. Um, but I want to try to cover a lot more San Diego news stories. But this was just really good timing to do this because of President Biden's visit to San Diego, having the the three heads of state in San Diego. Um, And it gave us a kind of a, you know, a a jumping off point to talk about some of these international issues. Yep. Okay. Okay. So uh, get Calypso in the in the garage. So she's not getting rained on. Thanks again for everybody that watched and listened. Have a great day. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list.
to be a guest, read my blog, or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.